Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for once again tuning in to the Ball on Blast podcast. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and as always, I'm joined by my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what's good, my dude? I now am crystal clear. It no longer sounds like I'm calling in from Rikers. Put the quarters away. We no longer have to call collect. We are live coming to you in full HD audio quality. (laughs) Webby, Webby, Webby. Never sounded so good, my dude. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. But anyways, I mean, basketball, again, has been such a treat for us as... So much going on in the NBA. Great games last night with both the Raptors and Pistons. We'll obviously hit up that. We'll actually start there. We'll touch a little bit on the Cavs because there's always stuff going on there, even soup tossing. The Rockets are on a crazy win Oh, my streak. God. We haven't done a pod since the soup toss. The soup fight, right? The soup is just like, wow. That's a crazy, crazy story that we'll obviously dive right into. Um, we got the Portland Trailblazers. They're still on a winning streak. And the whole scene in the Western Conference is just so up for grabs and so crazy. We'll obviously touch on that. A little Kawhi Leonard. And so much going on, as always, in the Feed Me segment. We got tanking. We got another pitch for LeBron coming up. Drunk Allen Iverson. (laughs) Maybe drunk, maybe on some other stuff. Who knows? He was just living his best life. AI living his best life indeed. So much. But there's one place and one place only to start, Webby. And that would be our wrap it up segment with your Toronto Raptors, who last night's game against the Detroit Pistons was just so good on so many levels. Back and forth affair, overtime, big plays. You had Damar and Blake Griffin going toe to toe. So much going on. What an incredible statement win from the Raptors. Now, I know that it's not necessarily as big of a deal, uh, you know, as this game that's coming up on Friday against the the Rockets, but it seemed like one of those old-school Raptors uh, playing down to the level of their opponent, letting one get away from them, but to come storming back in the fashion that they did, and I think we're going to talk about it, but to kind of rely on the style of play that they were known for for so long in terms of ISO ball and relying on DeMar DeRozan and for that to work out. I mean, it just goes to show that this team is, is doing it in, in all facets. Like we've been praising their bench for so long that now, you know, when that bench fails them and like, listen, Van Vliet didn't have the best game. Uh, Blake Griffin was kind of abusing Pirtle and Siakam for a little while last night, but to be able to rely on something tried and true like DeRozan shows that they've got a lot of bullets in their arsenal. You mentioned you mentioned just some of the stuff that was going on in the game last night, and you're right. Van Fleet, he struggled last night, but then to come back in, in two things. One, for him to hit the big shot, but also for DeMar to trust him to give him the ball in that big spot as well. I think that's a big factor as well that needs to get a lot of love because does DeMar make that play in years prior? And I don't just mean the trust factor. I just mean, does DeMar have the confidence in his game? Like, is his game at that level where he's able to create? Because you talked about it, right? The iso ball thing. It's such a it's such a big deal that gets the, the, the main focus when you're talking about the Raptors and how uh, they close out games. But 
really, to me, the iso ball isn't necessarily just about DeMar scoring the basket. The iso ball is DeMar creating a play. And that's what he's become so much better at that it's not just every time he gets a ball, he's trying to get his shot off. He's actually creating the best play available for the team. And, you know, you see the development in JV's game and how well JV's doing because DeMar, he's given these guys like just dunks, right? He'll drive to the basket, give them the little dump pass, and they just have to dunk the ball. DeMar, the, the evolution, the next step that this guy's taken, it's been crazy. I know, and it's almost a shame that we're getting so many great performances uh, individually in the league so far because, and now there's, a, what, about 20 more games to play or so, another uh, month or two to go in the season, and not to say that he can't, but any other year he would have been playing himself into MVP consideration. Now I'm sure a lot of Raptors fans out there are going to kill me for saying that he's not, but I think it might be a little too late, but... Another year, he'd be in top three MVP voting, not a problem. He's definitely elevated his game. And we talked about this a little earlier on this year. DeMar DeRozan's the best rapper of all time. I mean, it's getting harder and harder for me to come up with a a reason to say that it's still Vince Carter. Because you're talking about sustained domination that DeMar DeRozan is putting up, right? And if the Raptors maintain the one seed for an entire season, if they make another run in the playoffs, I mean... It's getting harder and harder to argue it, but what he did last night, I think, was the thing where you don't really have that many quote-unquote moments in DeMar DeRozan's career. You know what I mean? Like, when you go back to Vince's career, Vince had his buzzer-beater wins, you know? Vince had, like, I'm not talking about dunk contests. I'm talking about, like, regular season moments where Vince was winning games at the buzzer. Like, there are a bunch of those things when it's like, yep, Vince Carter is here. DeMar DeRozan last night, I don't know if that's the first moment, but it's definitely the biggest moment to date where you can look at something and pinpoint something and say, yep, he's here. He has arrived. He's not in that top tier of, you know, the Steph Curry's, uh, the, the LeBron's, the KD's. He's not in that tier, but he's definitely making a case for being in that tier just below those guys. And he's coming, man. He's going to be a threat going forward. And the next step is do this in the playoffs. I mean, heck, do this tomorrow night. Do this, to I guess, by the time people listen to this. Do this against the Rockets, right? Like, in those big-time matchups, that's when it's going to be... That's when stars are really born, right? Right. Now, I just to play devil's advocate, I would say that DeRozan's moment was the dunk over Gobert. Ooh. Before yeah, last night. That's a thing. Uh, but, now, that's the thing. It's that, you know, we don't want to fall in love with ourselves quite yet by beating the Pistons in overtime, especially <laughs> when you're staring down the Rockets on a Friday night who are riding, what, a 17-game win streak now? Yeah, it's at 17 games, and the Rockets, which we'll get to in shortly, I mean, this is a big, big test. And this is not only a test to me to, to – I want to see how the Raptors show up. I want to see how Raptors fans show up. I want to see a hype-ass crowd for this Raptors game against the Rockets because that's a big, big, big-time game. You got the Raptors coming in off a high. They're, you know, they're rolling. They're on a good win streak themselves. But also just coming off that game with so much emotion and you know the DeMar dunk and all that coming into a matchup against – the odds-on favorite so far, James Harden being the MVP, and also just the Rockets being on this win streak. And they're just, I mean, so much talk before, and I don't want to j- jump ahead to our Rockets talk too much, but 
this is just a big time matchup and your stars are born or your stars shine brightest. I guess that's a cliche I'm looking for, right? Your stars shine brightest in the biggest games and head to head against James Harden. This is a game where, you know, this is where Kyle and DeMar need to be Kyle and DeMar. Because as much as we talk about the bench and the strength of the Raptors being their bench going forward, the NBA period comes down to your stars. When it matters most, your stars are going to carry you. That you. You're right. Now, it's funny, too. We've been killing the Raptors fans the last couple of weeks. But, man, if you're going to the game on Friday, you're going to get loud. <laughs> yes. All yeah. right? This is a serious... That better be playoff atmosphere style. I don't want any of this uh, Bay Street nonsense of you know like a Leaf game from a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. You, you got to be loud. You got to get into it because this is as close to a playoff game as you're going to get in the regular season for the Raptors. Totally. And here's the thing, you know, the Raptors have had some games lately where you know they they've won against some pretty bad teams. And they kind of like squeaked by against Washington. They're in tough against the Hornets and Hawks and the Pistons. Obviously, they, they went to OT. But if there's a game for you to be hype about, everyone involved with the organization, it's going to be this game against the Rockets. But, you know, part of that, you know, the big news coming out of that win against Detroit is the Raptors' fifth straight playoff berth, right? And prior to that, they've only made the playoffs a total of five times in 18 seasons, right? So like the run that this franchise is on, I think that adds more to what you're saying about DeMar being the best ever because he's at the forefront of that, right? Their fifth straight playoff berth and they haven't lost a regular a regulation game since February 1st. Like, yeah, I saw that step. That's crazy. The run they're on now, it's so good. But let's go back to the game a little bit, the game against the Pistons because – DeMar DeRozan down the stretch, okay? We talked about it. Big play after big play, but also he the was fourth getting... fourth quarter was uh, unbelievable. I saw like a recap on Twitter yeah. of of all the points in overtime and, and the fourth quarter. Oh and my, it was so... He was getting everything he wanted. He couldn't be stopped, right? And like, it was so bad. I felt bad for, uh, who was it, Tolliver, because... Oh. Well, here's the thing, right? Like, first off, Blake Griffin, I don't know what he was doing on that final play. But a dude should not be able to go with the game on the line. You're up one. You should not be able to go coast to coast and dunk the ball, (laughs) right? Like Blake Griffin have no idea what he was doing on that final play. And Tolliver got postered. But at least he was trying to do something, right? He was like the one Pistons player that at least tried to to play some type of defense between DeMar DeRozan and the go-ahead basket with seconds left on the clock, right? Like, that was just a crazy, crazy last-second play. And I've never seen anything like that. But the one thing, how was DeMar so calm and cool after he hit, he got that dunk, which is probably the biggest dunk of his career, right? Like, he was well, so calm and cool and chill. It was like Lowry was the one losing his mind. That's just his demeanor. Yeah. Like, he's kind of always been like that. He's not been one to get, like, real hyped up and, like, go crazy like that. That's just, he's kind of a... You know, I hate to say this as it's a negative, but kind of a boring personality when it comes to things like that. He's not going to be showboating and dancing around and things like that. He's just going to kind of give you the uh, the gas face afterwards. You know, <laughs> might give you a little, might give you a little snarl, but uh, other than that, it, it's Kyle who's really the one who shows the um, 
the, the emotion on his face and on his sleeve afterwards, you know? Oh, yeah. And, like, switching gears a little bit to the Pistons, that last second play that DeMar got, like, shout out to DeMar for making that play and going up and knowing that he had to dunk it. But what are the Pistons in Blake Griffin? Like, he looked Whoa. lost on D at certain points. He was hitting big shots. But to me, he showed the difference between guys who get good stats and people who are winners. Like, Blake Griffin was hitting, like, big-time shots, but then on the defensive end, he was pretty much non-existent. Yeah, It was very out. weird. Like, that team, well, I was going to say, that team, I know why they had to make that trade, but it is not looking good for them at all right now. Right. Now, it's funny because uh, somebody on Twitter brought up a good point when you bring up this last-second play that maybe the reason that the Detroit looked so uh, out of sorts there on defense was that because Kyle Lowry got away with something. Right? It was so funny. And I'm still waiting. I tweeted it earlier today, I think it was, right? And it was so funny because Raptors fans, we talk about it on this podcast all the time. Raptors fans are so quick to point out. And, and you know, I think a lot of it has to do with the local broadcast. kind yeah, of. I was going to say, that's not just the fans. That's the people who cover the team, too. Yeah, I think like it gives them kind of it makes Raptors fans feel as if the refs are against them. When meanwhile, if you pay attention to headlines around the league, every single team is complaining about the refs basically every single night from the top down, whether you're LeBron or whether you're the Brooklyn Nets. Right. Seems everyone's mad. But I did find it funny. And I tweeted this earlier on to which a group chat kind of started throwing shade at me later on in the day. But I tweeted, I like fun things, so I'm glad they didn't call it. But I do find it funny how I haven't seen any Raptors fans or media who normally love calling out the refs, but I haven't seen them bring up Lowry's quote-unquote pick that he said on DeMar's epic dunk. Funny how y'all seem to be okay with that missed call, though. Right? Well, you know, it doesn't doesn't fit in with the narrative of, uh, of uh, oh, it's Raptors against everybody else in the world and the referees <laughs> and everything, you know? But oh, listen, yeah. you, you don't win uh, Sports Analyst of the Year two years in a row, I guess, by uh, by being truthful about what's going on with the team. Hint, <laughs> hint, hint, hint. You just got to be, yeah, you got to be for the home crowd, right? You got to be for the home fans. I get it. I understand it. I, I get the shtick, you know? I get the shtick. Um, you know what's funny, though? This matchup here with the Rockets, okay? So the Raptors won the first matchup earlier this season, but we know that the Rockets were, out CP th- were without CP3. Okay, so the Rockets now, as we know, they haven't lost since January 26th. But how do you think the Raptors match up with the Rockets at full strength? It's tough, right? I think that the Rockets match up pretty well uh, size-wise. Yeah. You know, uh, when you talk about 3 and D and the, and the kind of athletes they put on the floor with their starting unit, I, I'd give the Rockets a little bit of an edge. I think Capel, like I think... What was the stat that we had the other day was that when Capella, Harden, and Paul all play? Yeah, they're 34-1 and one this season when they all play. Right. So, I mean, that's a big three that you can't really argue with. Now, Capella and JV, you know, that's kind of a wash. Those are two really good big guys that are playing up to the utmost of their capabilities right now. Now, the, the interesting thing is to see, you know, who does Harden take? Does he take Norm? Yeah, because you got to figure that Ariza is going to take DeRozan, mm-hmm. and Chris Paul is going to take Lowry. Yeah, 
yeah, that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch. And it'll be interesting to see as well because people uh, recently have been talking about James Harden. I mean, even you've talked about it, right? How yeah, he's, he's been improved. a lot better defensively. Yeah, he's been a lot a lot more improved defensively. And same goes for DeRozan, too, on the low. You know, DeRozan, I mean, I've talked about it before, that DeRozan's strength was just scoring buckets. That basically was all he did. And he has become a much better defender as long along with his uh, improved playmaking. So this will be a good matchup, right? Two, the two buddies, two L.A. guys going at it. It'll be good to watch tomorrow and, and James Harden possibly go at it. I'm definitely looking forward to this matchup. And Now, the other one, too, are the bench units because Houston has a pretty good bench. Oh, yeah. With the reigning sixth man of the year yeah. uh, and former Raptor, P.J. Tucker. Yeah, Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker coming off that bench are two pretty solid guys. Also, I'm not sure if Joe Johnson's going to be in the lineup. He, he was their uh, deadline or what's it called? Their oh, the, uh, right. waiver line, waiver yeah. waiver pickup that they got. Uh, Joe Joe Johnson will add another, just another grown-up to that team, you know, another exactly. option down the stretch. But I'm not sure if he'll he- he's healthy, but we'll see how that works out. But yeah, they've added some depth to that team as well. That'll be a really tough matchup. And the problem is, here's the real test. Because we talked about the Raptors changing their offense, right? And it's a it's a fast pace, but also shooting a lot of threes. I mean, this is the team that the model is essentially built after, right? Like, literally. We talked about it before on one of our earlier uh, podcasts, right? How one of the Raptors assistant coaches used to be with the Houston Rockets. And what they did at the time in that organization is they tried out this whole layups and threes thing with their D-League team first. And it worked down there. They got to D-League championship and won. And then they brought that up to their main team. And now you see the Rockets team and the way that they play now. But it was all developed by someone who's now an assistant with the Raptors. So it's interesting to see kind of like, is this master versus a teacher the right. teacher versus no teacher versus a student. That's a cliche I'm looking for. I'm messing up my <laughs> cliches tonight. What's going on with me, Webby? But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes because we know what the Rockets can do, and that's what that's what they do night in, night out. And the Raptors have done that to date, but can they do that against the Rockets? This is a big matchup. I can't wait for it. Oh, it's awesome. Now, what do you think about the Normasance that happened uh, against the Pistons as well? Uh, do you think that like this is kind of the start of a sustained Norm Powell comeback here? I mean, if it doesn't happen now, this is a big chance for Norm. OG's down with an injury. They started Malcolm Miller ahead of you. If that didn't motivate know, you as Norman Powell, definitely a kick in the ass to Norm. Yeah, that's got to be right. Like they're bringing this guy off the D League team, which I know Norm is a hardworking guy. Obviously, a second round pick. He's worked for everything he got as well. But you know. That had to be a shot to the ego that they just brought in Malcolm Miller and then they signed your your boy Nigel Hayes. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I mean, they're bringing in all these other options to kind of tell Norm, listen, all we need is someone to play defense and hit threes. We need the de- like the, the, the bare minimum definition of a 3 and D guy, right? And OG's kind of struggled lately, and obviously now he's hurt, out with an injury, but... Maybe Norm did need that kick in the ass because he played really well in that Pistons game. Yeah, we he know looked confident. He looked confident. It was the first time we've seen that in a while. And they definitely need production from that three spot if the Raptors are to, to make a run deep into the playoffs. And you know what? 
what it's funny what one game will do, one big time game on ESPN will do because if you looked around most of the shows today on uh, Thursday, leading PTI, you know the TNT guys, Barkley and Chuck were both talking I, about. I think Barkley said that the Raptors are going to win the East. Yeah, both were saying the Raptors. Kenny and Chuck were saying the Raptors are going to the finals. You know, um, the Raptors were the lead on all those shows on ESPN, highly questionable on PTI. Like all those shows were leading with the Raptors. So it's funny what one big time game on ESPN will do. But now you got to you got to live up to the expectations. You got to be consistent with it. Right. Yeah, I can't wait. Friday night. Let's get it going. Friday night. Big time game. And the other thing, too, about last night was I know you were asleep for this for sure, Webby. I caught it on PVR late night. But uh, the Cavs, LeBron had a LeBron did LeBron James things Whoa, last night. I saw night. the numbers. Oh, just a Whoa. dominating fourth quarter by LeBron James in Denver. And it was a tough game. They were going back and forth. And basically, LeBron was just like, I'm not, we're not losing this game. I think he hit like the last nine points of the game I think he had, and it, they were just tough fadeaway baskets. That if anyone else is shooting that, you're saying that's a horrible shot. I mean, even if LeBron hit, takes it, especially the last one, it was like a fading one-footed, <laughs> right? A fadeaway off one foot into the corner, and he just splashed it to ice the game. I mean, nasty. can't and, and wait for about, the playoffs. How about Larry Nance in that starting lineup? Okay, so here's the thing, right? We, again, Larry Nance, right away when this trade happened, I, the tapes are there. The receipts are there. The we sat here. There. The receipts are there. We sat here talking about how Larry Nance was a very key pickup. And the fact that he was so athletic and he could hit, you know, a mid-range jumper, you give that to LeBron James, he is going to explode. And Larry Nance, I mean, Tristan, I don't know what kind of season, what's really going on with Tristan Thompson. Well, it's the Kardashian curse for sure. <laughs> Right? No doubt. I you mean, get those ladies out of your life. I mean, hey, we were talking about it the other day, and I said, I love The Life of Pablo. I think it's a really dope album. But there Same. were parts on it that I thought could have been a little bit better. And it made me think, you know, with all this Kardashian curse talk, like, is Kanye that good that he could still come up with Pablo? But we're left thinking, wait a second, how much doper would Pablo have been without Kim? Wow. Just things to make you think about. Because Pablo's already dope. But just things to make you go, Hmm. Wow, that is a hot take. That's the; those are just the things that we we try to bring up here on the on the Ball on Blast podcast, you know, right? But getting wow. back to the Cavs for a second, right? Your mind blown right now. You're really thinking about it, right? Well, like Pablo's already one of my favorite Kanye albums of all time. Hey, I, I'm just saying. I'm just hey. All I can say is Tristan Thompson's averaging like six and six this year, and he's been injured twice this season, and he's now hurt again. And even when he gets healthy, and if Kevin Love's back, when it how is Tristan playing? Yeah, I, I don't know. Right? I don't, I don't know. even know where he fits in kind of in the second unit either. Oh, it's just a crazy time right now in the NBA. I can't wait for the playoffs because whatever the matchups are on both sides, it's going to be a lot of fun. And oh. one. One thing, you know, that will be a lot of fun is whoever these guys end up playing, the Houston Rockets, which leads us perfectly into our turn up, turn down segment, which as always, we delivered a hot take and then turn up equals good or turn down equals bad. So we start off, as I mentioned, with the Houston Rockets. And the first take is the Rockets are better than the Warriors. Webby, are you turning up or turning down? Oh, I so badly want to turn up on this. 
Okay. I so badly want the Warriors' run to be over. I want <laughs> another team to knock them off their pedestal. But as a great Ric Flair says, to be the man, you've got to beat the man. Uh, okay? did, he, did he say that on Ric Flair drip by any chance or no? I, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure it's, it's got to be a line. It's got one of one of the uh, one of the better music videos I've seen in a long time too. Uh, so good. So good. But listen, if to, to, for me to consider the Rockets better than the Warriors, they're going to have to beat them in a seven-game series. Yeah, a, a, a good, a, a great regular season is a great regular season, but that's not going to put you above the team that had the best regular season of all time. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They're now leading the West, and you know, we mentioned the stat earlier when Harden, Capella, and Chris Paul are playing. They're 34 and one this season, which is stupid. They've had two winning streaks of at least 14 games this year. They're currently on a 17-game streak, but much like with the Raptors and the Cavs, and I know it's a different situation, I will not fully believe that the Raptors can beat the Cavs in the playoffs until I see it, and I cannot fully believe that the Rockets will beat the Warriors in the playoffs until I see that as well. So I, yeah. I'm joining you in turning down on this, Webby. But Because as good as the Rockets have been, and they've been incredible, this win streak is unbelievable, but the, it's not like the Warriors have been dog shit, you know? Yeah, the no, The Warriors true. are playing awesome basketball right now. For sure. Like, I think the Rockets can give the Warriors a go for sure in the playoffs. I'm just not prepared to say that, you know, the Rockets are better than the Warriors. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not prepared to go there yet. But with that said, <laughs> I hope we get that matchup in the playoffs because oh. that will be a lot of fun. Both of those teams have to fulfill that destiny. Or I'm going to be some ticked. <laughs> Moving on in our turn up, turn down segment, as we both turned down on that last one. But with wild times in the West, as I'm pretty sure, I probably should check the standings as we speak, but I'm pretty sure that we're talking two or three games that separate teams three through nine in the Western Conference. I think that's what it is. You know what? My... It's about the same in the East, too. True. Very true. You're, you're totally right. As I look at the standings right now, you're totally right. Going from three to eight in the East, you're talking, oh, sorry, not even. If you're going from four to eight in the, in the East, you're talking three games, separating right. teams four to eight. And in the Western Conference, you're talking four games separating three to eight, actually three to nine, whoa, three to ten. Whoa, That's crazy. No, I just looked at it, and the Clippers currently, as we speak, obviously there's games still going on, so this might change by the time you hear it, but currently the Clippers, Nuggets, and Jazz are all tied for eighth place, essentially. I mean, the uh, Clippers have one less loss, but, you know, it's a crazy thing's going on right now in the West, and as I mentioned, think about that again. Four games separating teams three through ten in the Western Conference. And with that said... One bad week can sink your playoff hopes. Right? One bad week and you're done. But one team that's had a very good week is the three seed right now currently in the Western Conference. And that would be the Portland Trailblazers, Webby. The Blazers have won eight straight and have jumped all the way to third in the West. Big time matchup with them and the Warriors come Friday night. But this leads us to... Our next topic in Turn Up, Turn Down, the Portland Trailblazers are for real. Webby, are you turning up or turning down? Uh, before we get there, uh, Friday night, ball night? Ball uh, night, Raptors, for sure. 
Raptors, Rockets, Blazers, Warriors. Oh my God! I don't know if uh, I don't know if my significant other is going to appreciate me being parked in front of the TV for a Friday night. <laughs> right? Ball night. Let's okay. Go. So let's get to this Blazers. Are they for real? I'm going to turn down. Ooh, I mean, okay. they're a good team. And listen, Damian Lillard has taken his game to new heights. Okay, when when you need somebody to go off for twenty and a quarter, mm-hmm. Dame is one of those dudes in the league that can do it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, C.J. McCollum, you know, come on, Lehigh University, gotta love him, right? <laughs> and the way that this team is kind of uh, built, it's really funky and it's really different. Okay. But again, we just talked about the Rockets and the Warriors being on a different level here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, are, do you really, listen, are the Blazers good? Yeah. Do you think that the Blazers could knock off either one of those teams in the seven-game series? No. Like, really? No. I don't think they could. Maybe they could make it a game. Maybe they could get a game, maybe two off of one of them. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's going to be a seven-game uh, slobber knocker between the Warriors and Blazers or Blazers and Rockets. So, Listen, I think they're a good team. I'd like to see them play maybe another team in the first round to really uh, see what these guys can do. But no, uh, if you're talking, are they for real and that they have a shot in the West? No, I don't think they do. I agree with you, Webby. I'm also going to turn down on this one. And the reason being exactly what you just said. Dame Lillard is on fire, right? Like what he did in that Knicks game earlier this week, he had eight threes in the game. He had another game earlier, I think it was against the Lakers, where he's just hitting like crazy jump threes late in the game to ice it. He is on a crazy, crazy roll. And you know what? They've beaten some teams during this run, too. They've beaten the Thunder. They beat the Warriors to start this streak. They beat Utah. They beat the T-Wolves. Some pretty solid teams. But as you just said, come playoff time, if I'm going to think that a team is for real... You're going to need more than Dame Lillard. And your number two is C.J. McCollum. It's no knock to C.J. McCollum because he is a very good player. But if you're talking the number twos on other teams are Chris Paul and or Steph Curry. Yeah. And then they still got Klay Thompson. I mean, I can't really take you as a serious contender in the Western Conference. And then the flip side to that is I just think I can't even fully say that I believe them as a three seed are a favorite to win the opening round series against whoever you'd be playing as a six, right? Because that could be the T-Wolves, it could be the Spurs, it could be Oklahoma City. Do you know what I mean? And those are all teams that I think I would take them to beat Portland in the first round, despite of the despite the seeds and home court advantage, right? So Agreed. we're talking, yes, it's a great run. It's good for the fan base because they have a solid fan base that deserves to have a good playoff team each and every year because they will they support their squad. But I'm just not ready to say they're for real either. Now, it, it's it's interesting, too. This is a team that, like, for the last couple of years, people have toyed around with the idea of blowing it up. Do you think that that's still in the minds of uh, the people who are running the war, uh, people who are running the Blazers? Is I this think, a team that, because of where you are in the West, you'd think about blowing it up? Well, here's the thing, right? As long as, you know, what happened last offseason with, you know, just crazy turnover with Paul George, with like all the changes we saw last season, Jimmy Butler going to the T-Wolves, what we're anticipating could happen this offseason with LeBron James making a move somewhere else. I think that opens the door for every other team that's not the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> if you're not the Golden State Warriors, 
you should be open to every type of option, right? You right. should be open to if the opportunity presents itself to rebuild and like make massive changes to your team and you think you're improving your team, you got to do it. Because again, the arms race is so crazy. What was started by Kevin Durant going to the Golden State Warriors, I mean, hey, if you can flip McCollum and get, you know, a really top-notch front court guy, you might have to look into that to balance out your team. But I don't know. It, it, it's a tough thing for sure. But much like I say to the Raptors fans, hey, Trailblazers fans, enjoy your team. Enjoy the ride for what it is. Enjoy the, this run because it is definitely something to be proud of. Absolutely. And, and, and be thankful that you get to root for a guy like Dame Lillard. Yes. A guy who, uh, this is pretty funny. I actually got to tell this story. Even though it puts me in a negative light, I got to tell this story about just because Dame Lillard did reminded me. The other day at work, we were looking up, we were talking about like bad takes and bad tweets, right? And I was saying, I'm pretty honest. Like if I'm wrong about something, I'll admit if I'm wrong about, you know, a take I had or whatever, right? And so we were looking up bad takes because I remembered at the time, I wanted the Raptors so badly to draft Austin Rivers because I was convinced <laughs> that Austin Rivers was going to be good. And so it's a funny thing that you should do every once in a while. If you remember something bad that you might have said about a person or a bad take, just do a Twitter search for your handle and like that name. So we did the search of Austin Rivers and some of my takes were just so ridiculous. But one of them basically said something to the effect of, I would definitely take Austin Rivers. I'm paraphrasing now, but the, the crux of it was I would definitely take Austin Rivers because I'm going to trust the ACC, Duke, Coach K, Doc Rivers pedigree over some guy from Weber State. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, for those who aren't following along, that guy is Dame Lillard. Is Dame Lillard. <laughs> I have too many bad takes that uh, that, that search would uh, take way too long. <laughs> Well, you know, hopefully, um, if you're doing your Twitter searches, something else that came across this week was Kawhi Leonard, which leads us to our next turn up, turn down. And Kawhi says that uh, he will return from injury soon and also that he wants to end his career with the Spurs, which is a, a, a twist of fate, let's say, or a twist in, in story from what we were thinking of what was going to happen with Kawhi just a couple weeks ago. But... It makes us think, you know, if the Spurs can get, they've done a great job so far this season, obviously, without Kawhi Leonard. And right now they sit fifth in the West, but they're 10 games over 500 without Kawhi Leonard, which I don't know how many teams could survive without their <laughs> yeah. best players, much less forget survive, be 10 games over 500, mid, like more than halfway through the season. But the question here is, with the healthy Kawhi Leonard, the Spurs can win the West. Webby, are you turning up or turning down? Oh, man, it is tough. Because if he comes back, is he 100%? Let's go off the theory that Kawhi is 100% healthy. It's so tough because you're kind of working him back into the system that you've played with for this whole year without him. But if there's any coach that can do it, it would be Pop. Definitely. Oh, this is this is one of the toughest ones. <laughs> this is one of the toughest turn up, turn downs. Well, here's what um, I'll say. Here's what I'll say, Webby. Here's what I'll say. Okay. I will never bet against Pop. So I will turn up on this and say they can win the West just based off the fact that I will never bet against Pop. But 
Will they win the West even with a healthy Kawhi Leonard? I don't think so. Can they? Yes, of course they can, just because we're seeing what they're doing without Kawhi Leonard. So adding a top 10 talent to what they're already doing, I'm going to say yes, they can do it. We've seen what they were able to do last year, what Pop was able to to cook up at least for a half, because many people forget last year they before were, they Zaza. Were, they were handing it to the Warriors. They were running the Warriors out of the gym in game one of that series until Zaza did one of his cheap-ass Zaza moves and slid his foot under the feet of Kawhi Leonard and took him out of the series. And then all of a sudden, a 20-plus point lead evaporated, and Golden State went on to not only win that game, but also run through the series. But with that said, with the Kawhi Leonard in in the lineup, a healthy Kawhi Leonard, and Greg Popovich doing Greg Popovich things, which he does come playoff time, I think, cool. yes, they can win the West because I'll never bet against Pop. Okay. I'm going to turn down. Okay. I think that too much time has passed this season to be able to bring in Kawhi Leonard and have him knock off either the Rockets or the Warriors. Okay. I'm going to turn down. But here's what I want to this, – uh, this about face from Kawhi Leonard – have you ever seen Godfather 2? Yes. Okay. Remember in Godfather 2 when they bring uh, that guy, uh, Frank Pentangeli, in front of the, um, in front of the Senate, and he's going he, he's gonna to turn on Michael Corleone, but then they bring in his brother, and his brother, just by showing up, he, he, the, the Frank ends up not saying anything, and he says, oh, you know, no, I lied about all that stuff that I was going to tell you guys. Yes, 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 yes. It's like the Spurs are that guy's brother. Oh. You know, they put, like, it seemed like Kawhi, that that article came out uh, a couple of weeks ago about Kawhi being healthy enough to play, and mm-hmm. he's the one seeking second opinions and everything. Yep. And then two weeks later, Kawhi says, yeah, uh, I'll play this year. I'm healthy <laughs> enough to play. <laughs> because I because I think that he knows how good he has it there, and it's like the the Spurs called his bluff, and they were kind of like, okay, cool, you don't want to like we're not negotiating with you right now. It's like you're going to come back, you're not going to come back. Either way, we're showing you that we're ready to roll. We're still a playoff team without you. I know, I see what you're saying. Yeah, they basically called their bluff, called his bluff, and now you know more than that, they sort of put him on the bad side, right? Like if you're a fan right now. Who's to blame, right? They've done everything they can to, to work with you. They've sent you to other doctors. They've taken their time with you. They've eased you back in. They're not begging for you to come back. So now all the pressure's on you. It, it was a great PR campaign by the Spurs. Yeah, absolutely. And, also, and- also just showing the genius of their organization, right? Like the strength of their organization. That You know what? We can take a LaMarcus Aldridge we could take an old ass Pau Gasol, a broken down Rudy Gay, and you know, broken down old ass Tony Parker or Manu. Have a bunch of these kids, right? Fit them in. Like Pop doesn't mess around. He was putting Danny Green, who's obviously was a key cog in a lot of those in a championship team. In championship teams. Yeah. And Danny Green was on the bench for a while because he was messing around. You know what I mean? Like Pop just doesn't mess around, and it's that no nonsense. Like it doesn't let you slip. Right, you always got to be on your A game, and that's the thing that I respect, and that's why you know, hey, again, I'll never bet against Pop. 
Will they do it? I don't think so. But I can't bet against Pop, so I can't say that they have no chance of winning the West with a healthy Kawhi. I'm going to turn down. I'm going to say that there's no chance. <laughs> no problem. No problem. I mean, that's what the turn up, turn down segment is for. It's not for us to always agree, right? That's why we have the people to decide as well. The people to let us know who's right and who's wrong as they turn up and turn down in the comments right. as well, right? We turn up on the listeners. Yes. Speaking up. Speaking of uh, the comments, and I guess speaking of turning up, hopefully <laughs> the heat was turned down <laughs> on the soup. <laughs> Jeez. Oh man! I'm trying to segue to this as if like there's any way to segue to one of the most ridiculous stories. I guess it would be one of the most ridiculous stories that we've heard in the NBA if it didn't involve J.R. Smith. But because it involves J.R. Smith, we're kind of just like, oh, okay. There's a level of oh, okay, it's J.R. Like I'm not that surprised. <laughs> but to kick off our feed me segment, which once again is the best stories to come across our timelines or our social media feeds in the NBA. That brings us to our Feed Me segment. And this headline from Brian Windhorse, it says, Sources, J.R. Smith earned suspension for throwing soup at assistant Damon Jones. Now, <laughs> if you're Damon Jones, don't you just let J.R. Smith eat the soup? <laughs> well played. How long have you been saving that one for? I oh, love that. All week. Oh, well, as soon as I heard it was Damon Jones, that's <laughs> the first thing that I thought of. So it's good. one of my all-time favorite calls of the NBA. So good. And for the kids that might not remember, get your Googles up and just go to YouTube and search LeBron James dunking on Damon Jones. First off, it's one of LeBron's best dunks of his career. It's also a hype dunk because he's wearing the mask and mask yeah, LeBron right. couldn't work. And this was years ago, but the great call was by Doug Collins. Yes, it was Doug Collins. Yeah, and if you if you're if you're Damon Jones, don't you just let Jeff McKinnis have the, the layup? layup? Yes. And so what's happening on the play? Obviously, people, I'm urging you to watch it because it is a great dunk, and the reactions on the dunk are so good. But essentially, LeBron was coming down on a two-on-one with uh, Jeff McKinnis and your boy Damon Jones is trying to play hard defense, and it's, he got dunked on, which led Doug Collins <laughs> to ask a very legitimate question. If you, don't you just let McKinnis have the layup? <laughs> That's right. Why it's great advice. Embarrassed? And it's then all advice. these years later, he gets embarrassed by soup. <laughs> so many questions here, and my biggest question was, I need to know what kind of soup it was. Oh, that was the number one. That was the number one question I had. And the first out, was, who, which coach did he throw soup at, and two, what kind of soup was it? I thought it was corn chowder. That was my guess. Well, shout out to Brian Windhorse, who... Doing who the real reporting. Real, real reporting. And I heard him on Lebetard this weekend, and he was talking about... Side note, kids. If you don't listen to the Dan Lebetard radio show, you definitely should do yourself a favor and do that. <laughs> don't get it confused with the TV show that he does with his dad, his radio show that turns into a podcast is a must-listen for sports fans and culture fans because it's just amazing. But anyways, he had Brian Windhorse on, demanding answers. And Windhorse said that it was a tortilla soup and that actually the chicken tortilla soup was a favorite within the was, Cavs cafeteria. Yeah, world-famous. Yes. So that's great research done there by, by Brian Windhorse. But the tortilla soup, I can't say I've ever tried tortilla soup before. So oh, delicious. 
delicious. Oh, so I, I mean, I didn't know like if that's something you should be wasting or if you should be savoring it to the last drop. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, listen, a little tortilla soup with some chicken in there, maybe some some beans, and some <laughs> corn, a dollop of, uh, of of sour cream to cool it down a bit. But listen, so, if you're if if you're a member of the Cavs and this is something that 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 is uh, you know kind of famous in your cafeteria, listen, J.R. Smith knows where to get it. All right, <laughs> he doesn't I, need. It's not like me that I'd be like, wow, this is great tortilla soup. I uh, I don't know when I'm ever going to get this again. <laughs> so many questions, but hold on. If there's that many ingredients in the tortilla soup. I want to know, it, was it a direct hit on Damon Jones? Did it get him in the face? Was it more like chest action? And if so, did he end up with like lumps of like corn and whatever else is in a tortilla soup? Did he end oh, up God. with all that like all over him? Like, Gotta be. Now, I, I automatically think to like the Looney Tunes uh, <laughs> uh, you know, scenario of this where like the bowl of the soup is on top of Damon Jones's head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes, and the yes, soup yes. is pouring down on him. <laughs> now, I'm sure it wasn't quite like that, but that's how I like to picture it. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. I also want to know what led to this, right? Like, what that's, could have possibly I mean, yeah. happened that would set J.R. Smith off that he's throwing soup at an assistant coach? But and also, like, well, and I mean, I'm using the term, and I shouldn't do this, but assistant coach Damon Jones, really, you're LeBron's boy, right? Like, you're you're good, like team guy that played with LeBron and right. hey maybe it's LeBron doing him a favor for <laughs> embarrassing him on that one dunk but yeah Damon Jones being an assistant coach like it had to be some trash talking type situation but I have so many questions like how did this get out like what did Damon Jones do after the soup got thrown on him like I know assistant coaches don't how do, you do show press up conferences to work the next day how do you show up to work the next day when you've been <laughs> clowned by one of your own players so my thing was too was like was it malicious or was like J.R. Smith just like playing a prank? So true. You know, like so many questions, and I know that in the NBA they don't allow assistant coaches to do interviews for the most part, but I feel like there should be an exception made here because I feel yeah, like even at the twenty twenty, right? Like even from the top, like Adam Silver should want to know what really happened here as well, right? A soup gate, tortilla soup gate. <laughs> There was also, because around the time that this happened, I don't know if it was direct. Oh, do you know what? Because JR was suspended for a game. And then I'm pretty sure the next game they were hosting the Denver Nuggets. And so yeah. in shoot around, there was a shot of Richard Jefferson, who obviously was just traded from the Cavs in training camp. There was a shot of Richard Jefferson and LeBron talking. And Richard Jefferson and LeBron are, are laughing together. And LeBron is covering his mouth with his jersey. And he's saying something to Richard Jefferson, and they're just dying with laughter. And the next person to pop in to come over to dap up Richard Jefferson is J.R. Smith. <laughs> and I would have loved, and I'm just imagining oh, Richard Jefferson has to be busting balls, asking LeBron, like, dude, he threw soup at D. Jones? Like, what happened? Like, that's what I'm imagining the conversation was. And obviously, I have no idea. But Again, like you just said, that's what I'd like to imagine they were talking about. And Richard Jefferson just like, okay, what happened? Like, tell me what happened. I need to know what happened in this situation. The other great thing about this, too, was the next day when they were interviewing J.R. Smith. Yes. And he had, the, uh, he had the Arthur Fist meme hat on. <laughs> so good. I was like, J.R. Smith is a national treasure. <laughs> but think about how pissed off you would be as J. Like, these guys obviously don't enjoy talking to the media 
every single day over like mundane stuff, right? right? But imagine like you're embarrassed as it is, right? That you were suspended a game, you lost pay for throwing soup at your coach and it gets out and everybody knows it. But now you got to show up to a press conference and answer questions, but not really answer questions, right? Because you don't want to give any details on what happened. So you got to fake answer questions now. There's no doubt in my mind that, of course, that's your mood in this instance, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so good. I was going to ask you, though, lastly, last thing on this topic. What is your Which favorite Which I could jam? go on for – I could do another 40 minutes on this. For sure. We could do yeah. a separate spinoff podcast on Soupgate <laughs> for sure, and we would have enough material. But my, my, my last question for you on this, Webby, is we mentioned J.R. Smith being one of the most eccentric characters there are in the NBA. What is your favorite J.R. Smith story? Oh, it's the pipe. <laughs> oh, it's not even close. It's the best thing ever. That's the best thing. In, That's case the there's, best. in case there's kids listening, do yourselves a favor. And once again, just Google J.R. Smith. Just I don't Google do J.R. Smith. Just Google J.R. Smith pipe. So yeah. what happened was he was DMing on Twitter <laughs> with some uh, – you know, lovely young lady. And, you know, they were, it was kind of like first with emoji eyes and stuff. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, you try to get the pipe. <laughs> and quickly the, the pipe became uh, quickly inserted into my lexicon. Became you know? a thing. J.R. Smith just sliding in the DMs asking if people want if, – if females want the pipe. I mean, my other, my Smith, other favorite J.R. Smith uh, contribution to society is the J.R. Smith is high meme. <laughs> yes. Of him with the, of him with the stoned eyes, and it's like yes. <laughs> it's like we got Larry we we got Larry Nance on our team now. It's the best. It's the best. So good. So good. There's also the very good one of J.R. I'm pretty sure he got fined. I'm not sure if he got suspended, but. He Instagrammed a picture of another lovely young lady that happened to be laying in his bed, and she's just wearing a thong. <laughs> and no, did he sure, get fined for that? I'm going to look it up right now. I'm pretty sure he got fined because I remember there was a scenario where David Stern had to release something. He had to release something just acknowledging the fact that J.R. Smith like listed this, like posted this on his social media. I'm, I'm I know that he got right fined. I know he yep, got fined for the shoelace thing. Here it is. J.R. Smith fined 25K for tweeting photo of woman in thong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's only a few players that, that are going to have a headline like that around their name. And J.R. Smith, thank God, is one of them. So here's the thing. 2012 is still David Stern era, right? Like Silver's not in the league at 2012, right? right? So picture this. Because the NBA's official Twitter account tweeted out, New York Knicks, J.R. Smith has been fined $25,000 for posting inappropriate pictures on his Twitter account. So that means that somewhere along the line, David Stern was in his office and someone put this picture, slid this picture on his desk and just said, okay, what do we do with this? We got to do something about this. <laughs> That's amazing. So good. But if you really want to know and understand the man, the myth, the legend that is J.R. Smith, I urge you. To only go as far as J.R. Smith's graduation quote, okay? Oh, from high school, right? His high school graduation Yay, quote. Yeah, I've seen this. Which simply says, 
So as normal, Earl J. Smith Jr., nickname JR, sports and activities, basketball, quotes, get chicks or die trying. <laughs> That's all you need to know about J.R. Smith. My dude, please, JR, keep being JR. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. As we said, that was a that was the greatest thing to come across our social media feeds this week. But it wasn't the only thing, Webby. And I'm pretty sure you have an interest in this next thing in our Feed Me segment because following uh, the pitch made by Philly fans, seems longtime Lakers season ticket holder decided to put up billboards around L.A. trying to woo LeBron to the Lakers. Budget. They were budget. So, if we remember, we talked about this last week, the Philadelphia the Sixers fans had the three, three billboards, billboards inside of Cleveland. Yes. And so this one, we have the first one says, hashtag next retired jersey. And you can see they have jersey numbers of Magic, Kareem, Shaq, Kobe's two jerseys, and then one with the 23 and a crown, obviously symbolizing your boy LeBron James. Then the next billboard says, hashtag LA Braun. Okay. The Weak. third billboard says, again, hashtag LA Braun, but this one says, forget the process. We win banners. Ooh. Soft. Soft. <laughs> you're not feeling that one, Webby? No, you're not feeling that one? First of all, like, was Dan Gilbert writing these billboards? Because <laughs> looked like they were in Comic Sans. Okay? <laughs> well, this, this last one is super lame. I will acknowledge this last one is super lame. It's a jersey with the number 23 and a crown on it. It says also, hashtag LA Braun, and then says, Cleveland and Philly, you can't compete with LA. Get out of here. <laughs> I left a silence there on purpose. That was so terrible. Like, Just come on, man. Weak. I know it's some rich guy, but like, you spent money on that, bro. Like, at least crowdsource something better, some better my, material. My other one was so with the on the billboard there that he has with all the um, numbers. Have you ever seen uh, the Lakers wear a purple jersey with white numbers? That's a very good question. I have not seen that. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, get that trash out of here. <laughs> Listen, why would he? Why would he want to go to L.A. and play for the Lakers? Ugh. Oh, come to Philly, play with Dario, play with Simmons, play with Embiid, play with <laughs> T.J. McConnell. I mean, we're not even. We're in the middle of a season in which we're discussing how many teams we think actually might have a chance to win in the playoffs, and even with all that, we're still talking about where LeBron might I end know, up in I this offseason. Like, how amazing is that? This summer is going to be crazy because you know that once the playoffs come and the first sign of the Cavs maybe making an early exit, it's going to start overanalyzing oh. every single thing that happens, every tweet, every Instagram photo. Every photo his wife takes on Instagram. Anybody from one of his boys want to, you know, Mav Carter tweet something out. Everything is going to be so overanalyzed. And you know what? I'm here for all of it. I'm here for <laughs> all of it. I was going to say, you know, I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, moving on in our Feed Me segment, the next thing here, I'm also here for everything Allen Iverson, Webby. Oh, and did you I tell me say, you saw this? I did see this. And I'm I saw play this, this live. 
You saw it live. <laughs> I saw it live. Of course. Of course so, I was watching Sixers Hornets. That's true. That's true. I'm going to play it for the people, Webby, and then we'll we'll discuss afterwards, okay? okay. But this is Allen Iverson courtside in Charlotte for a Hornets Sixers game. Talking and, to Molly Sullivan, the great Molly Sullivan. Shout out to Molly Sullivan. But here's the interview, kids. Uh, you said you look cool with these glasses. What do you think about the 76ers and what they're showing out here on the floor? I love my guys. I love my little dudes. They're my little guys. I love them. What brings you to Charlotte? I live here. Okay. I, live here. I didn't know that. The more you know. Uh, you know, I was talking to you about the best Philadelphia athlete of all time. You said it wouldn't be you. In terms of where Philadelphia is headed, what's, what's going to be the deal breaker for them to make some uh, noise in the playoffs? Um... I would, I would, I would, I would be crazy to say we think we need more. I think we got enough to be um, competitive, like we've always been. And um, I just think we have a, we have enough. I think it's our, it's, it's our time. But I'm gonna believe that anyway, regardless if I think we need more pieces or. You know, whatever. Like, I, I know we got the best coach in the world. We got the two greatest superstars that we need. And we got the great role players that we need. So, like, I'm I'm with it. Like, I'm 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 along for the journey. Like, I, I think we're going to do something. We all we need, right? We all we need. <laughs> all right. We all we got. Oh, there we go. Uh, Mark and Allah, back up to you. Thanks so much for the time. Webby. Yeah, I, I this interview brought to by Cannabis Indica. <laughs> My favorite part is she asks, so what brings you to oh, the no, game? That's, and he's yeah, like, that's 100% the best part. He's like, I live here. And she's like, so thrown off and rattled. <laughs> and she's like, oh, uh, I, I, I didn't know I that. I did not know that. <laughs> uh, the, more, the more you know. <laughs> You could tell she was so rattled for the next question that she had to because it made absolutely no sense. But I don't blame her because she just so thrown off by the situation. Like, what a tough the sideline interview with the oh. celebrity that you don't know the current state that they're in. Oh my goodness, that's such so, a tough ball game. So what's crazy is after this happened, mm-hmm. everybody on Twitter was like, "Holy shit!" Allen Iverson was higher than a Georgia pine. Okay. You know, just going nuts. And Molly Sullivan goes on Twitter and defends him and is like, listen, I've been reading everything that people are writing on Twitter. Uh-huh. Alan was a perfect gentleman. He wasn't, you know, under the influence of any kind. We were talking about his kids. And I was like, listen, Molly, the camera don't lie, man. And, and hey, that's fine. Alan's had a lot of demons in his life. And as long as he's not, uh, you know, totally getting uh, sauced and just living in a casino, man, I'm happy. If he's at a game, if he's uh, twisted a bit, uh, you know, if he's stinking like the sticky icky, I got no problem with that. If he's living in Charlotte, even better. If he's not, who knows? My initial reaction, Webby, when I was watching it, like the first time I saw it, I was just like, oh, no. Oh no! Please don't tell me something bad happens. Please don't tell me something bad happens. And no, then it's just I was like, "Oh, shit. it's totally fine." Like, 
okay, cool. And it was obviously the Twitter thing where everyone overreacts and like goes to the extreme. But like, I just thought that was funny. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And no, I'm, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, like, you're right. There, there's uh, three of my favorite parts are the, uh, they're my little guys, they're my little dudes, they're my little homies or whatever it is. That's yeah. great. The, 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 oh, I didn't know you lived in Charlotte is great. And then the, uh, we're, we're all we need, we're all we got. So good. So good. I like that. That should be the new Sixer slogan, right? We 100%. all we need, we all we got. We all we Sounds got. like a hashtag to me, right? Yes, man. Uh, takes us to our final segment of the Ball on Blast podcast, which is one of my favorites, the Ask on Blast segment, Webby, where, as always, we take questions from you, the listeners, to said Ball on Blast podcast. And this question here, Webby, comes from Jamal. And Jamal wants to know, are you familiar with the term Robin season? (laughs) (laughs) Dot, 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 (laughs) dot, dot, dot. Atlanta season two? Fire. Thoughts? To which I would counter, are you familiar with the term Florida man? <laughs> so good. So obviously we're I'm I'm in on Atlanta. I think Atlanta oh, is so I think it's good. the I think it's one of the best shows of the last ten years. I mean that is very, very, very high praise. And I, I don't know if I can go that far. I'd have to like seriously take a step back and think about it, but I, it's in a terms great of show. half an hour. In terms of a half an hour, what they pack into there and the characters they have and mm-hmm. just, so, bro, the jo- like the jokes in that first episode of the new season, dude, I was howling. There was some hilarious shit in there. Yeah, I just think it hits on so many different levels, right? It's it's funny at times, but it's super serious at other times. Yeah. It's uh, shot really well. Just... You don't know where it's going really ever, which is a great ride to be on in terms like, of a television show. It's like every episode is a new half hour movie. Yeah. And you're and, so every week I'm so excited to see, you know, okay, like you said, what direction are they gonna go in this time? And the way that season two started was such a great episode. Just oh. so many things like Florida Man and you know, as we mentioned, Robin season, but Cat Williams. Playing basically, Ooh. I heard this description. I think it was Bomani Jones said it. Somebody said it on Levitard. I can't remember who it was, but they essentially said that Cat Williams was playing basically the character that people think Cat Williams is in real life. Right. With the right? alligator in the bathroom. <laughs> Which is such a great description. But like, you know, the guy that used to be a celeb, but is kind of like washed now and like has this, you know. It, it was it was very interesting, but such a great job by Cat Williams. Such a great scene. It was so good. Like the image of him just running down the street at the yeah. end was so good. Dude, and, like, and I gotta tell you, that character Darius is so great. Is so great when he's like when he meets Cat Williams and he's like he's like uh, I'd say nice to meet you, but uh, I don't believe it's time. I don't believe in time as a concept. So I've probably <laughs> met you before. It was was so, like, what? And then he's listening to the hardcore heavy metal in the car, too? Oh, my God. I just loved it. Lakeith Stanfield. I think that's how it's pronounced. I think that's how it's pronounced. But, like, the thing with the show, too, that we talked about, I think it was on an On Blast podcast. I think we talked about the show Atlanta. But the thing that I love so much about this show, right? And and Donald Glover, he did had a whole write-up in, I forget what magazine it was. 
but it was the one where he he went at Lena Dunham too, which is really fucking jokes. But right. the thing that's so key, and it was interesting to hear that how calculated it is too, right? Is that this show is just a show with characters. Yes, they are black characters, but it's not like that's not necessarily the storyline. And I think it's so important as media, like when we watch media, to see these things, just to see characters, right? And like. Yeah. It's not black. It's not white. It's just, this is Atlanta, right? And like, they sneak things in exactly like what you just said, where, okay, well, here's this dude and he's banging out to like heavy metal music, right? And you know, this subliminal, like, you know exactly what they're doing. If you follow the show, you know exactly why they're doing it to show you like, oh, you think this, you might think this is kind of fucked up, right? That this guy listens to heavy metal music, but no, just a dude. Why can't he, like, why can't he listen to heavy metal music? Right? right, like they they flip your your perceptions or your your preconceived notions on its head and fuck with you in a way, and that's what I love about the show. It's so smart in so many different ways. Love. Like the perfect epitome of that was in that first season when uh, the same dude when uh, when Darius goes to the shooting range, but yes. instead of like the terrorist or anything, he has the dog, yes. and everybody freaks out. <laughs> it was that's brilliant. Brilliant. So, so good. good. And that's why I think, like, you know, man, Donald Glover, like, say what you will about Childish Gambino. Like, I love that last album, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. But the guy is such a talent. Yeah. I mean, to be able to, to you know, be a writer and an actor and an artist like that is just incredible, man. Like, anything that guy does, I'm, I'm now 100% in on. So good. So, so good. And... You know, hopefully you guys thought as well that this episode of the Ball on Blast podcast was also so good. You know, and sounded a lot better. Yes, sounded a lot better as well. And hopefully, you know, as as you keep watching Atlanta, you keep listening to the Ball on Blast podcast because you know we just try to give you the goodness of not only the NBA, but we try to dabble in a little bit of culture as well, right? And life, and life. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, as always, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, you can find me at Shell Alexander or on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And you can find me across all social media, tweeting about the Sixers at a Webster eighty four. <laughs> And uh, across all social media at AWebster84. All right. And, you know, as always, we are the Ball on Blast podcast, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Peace. Ball on Blast.